So you should have an outline that says, Merry Christmas, Welcome to Miracles and Supernatural Intervention, right? If Christmas is about anything, I think it's about supernatural intervention, isn't it? Isn't it amazing how somebody could intervene like that in time and space, a historical figure, and change the world forever so dramatically? And even if you don't think of things in a particular religious way, you have to admit that culturally and in terms of the history of the world, there's been no one like Jesus, right? So even if you think of him as a historical figure, uh, the change is radical uh, from the time that he entered the world till now. And uh, so I'm going to just talk about him, but I like to talk especially about the miracle and supernatural intervention of Jesus. It's always intrigued me as a person. I always wondered as a kid, ra being raised in a Presbyterian church, I always thought, you know, I'd be, as I began to read the Bible, I got older and older. As I got older and older, I got more and more honest. And uh, looking at the Scripture, I'm thinking, now, what the heck? What am I reading here? I mean, like, what? Blind healed? Are you kidding me? Somebody blind got healed and resurrected from the dead? You know, I started thinking through this, like, you know. And I got hungrier and hungrier for those sort of things to say, well, I just wanted to look... I just want to know if there's anywhere around a miracle, you know, anybody ever experienced a miracle or or uh, had some kind of intervention because it's in the Bible all over the place. So I went on this journey and uh, that journey, uh, by God's grace, took me into the knowledge and understanding that there's lots of healing, lots of amazing intervention going on. And um, some of the churches around me were, the, were really uh, kind of gone past that, you know, and I relied heavily on medical care, which we do as well, but the appearance of a miracle or something that maybe a supernatural intervention was far and few between. So I determined in my journey, if God was really alive, that uh, I needed to see that uh, there was some healing around or there was something more. I was very, very hungry, and the Lord eventually caught up with me and arranged a series of circumstances whereby uh, I discovered he was actually quite real. I'd just been kind of looking in the wrong place. I my church really wasn't emphasizing that, so I went a little bit beyond it, and and uh, Lord found me actually at one of their conferences in a very dramatic way, and I've been on this life search, and so just want to say, welcome to miracles and supernatural intervention, and that's what happened at Christmas, and that's what keeps happening for me. My main aim is to, for it to be Christmas every day around here, right, and all the time, and that even if you didn't get healed the first time when we prayed for you, the second time you have enough faith to know that if you'll keep persisting and coming that we'll get eventually God will intervene in a way that you can understand and tangibly. And um, so I think that's the place we are at our church, but I think that's the place every church should be, right? So the announcement of Jesus was an invitation of favor and miracles for all humanity that continues to this day. And I'd like to emphasize that it continues to this day. It's just so important that we know that the favor of God that was announced by the angels are for today. And um, sometimes in a secular humanist culture like we have, it's, there's a little bit of um, dispersion on that or tainting of it or maybe even confusion with regard to that or who's the miracle giver or who's God even. Do you see that thing in the news where they have that satanic uh, thing set up where actually uh, they were having displays in the city and some guy set up this thing for, uh, as worship to Satan? Wow. So you know what? That sort of thing, I sort of was laughing at that. So I'm thinking, you know what? I'm, that's something I can see. The thing I'm worried about is the things that are being offered up in secret I can't see. And the unrighteousness and the evil and the plans for evil that I cannot see are the ones that I'm more concerned about than a little low image, you know, <laughs> of what's supposed to be a satanic whatever, right? So as painful as that is to see in our culture, uh, we are in a deeper war than that. And there's always been this war between light and darkness and good and bad and sickness and health and all the rest of it. And Jesus came to save. As a matter of fact, the name Jesus means the Lord saves. I like that. And I want to read from these verses, a very familiar section of Scripture, Luke chapter 1. Let's read from verses uh, 26 to 38, and then I'm going to skip to chapter 2. In the sixth month of Elizabeth's pregnancy, God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth, a town in Galilee, to a virgin pledged to be married to a man named Joseph, a descendant of David. The virgin's name was Mary. The angels went to her and said, Greetings, you are highly favored. The Lord is with you. Which uh, I think that was pretty good news until God gave the rest of it, right? <laughs> and then she was challenged to something. 
And it's a challenge we all face in welcoming something supernatural in our life, a miracle in our life. And that is how to believe, how to trust God till the thing comes, right? Because obviously, as she be, he begins to talk, the, this, this thing he talks about took a process. First of all, it had to have nine months, right? And then a whole bunch of other stuff happened. Mary was greatly troubled at his words and wondered what kind of greeting this might be. But the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary. You have found favor with God. You'll conceive and give birth to a son, and you are to call him Jesus. Now, I think that God probably searched all the way up and down history. I don't know. I don't mean to talk for God too much, but wondering if he would find just someone that what he would give this news to that would accept it like Mary. Because uh, I think both male and female can realize uh, that the gravity of such a moment that actually God's saying, uh, you're going to be the mother of God, right? <laughs> Jesus, who was both God and man, right? He'll be great and will be called the Son of the Most High. Not only your Son, but the Son of the Most High. The Lord will give him the throne of his father David, and he'll reign over Jacob's descendants forever. His kingdom will never end. Wow. How will this be, Mary asked the angel. I'm a, I'm a virgin. The angel answered, The Holy Spirit will come on you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. So the Holy One to be born will be called the Son of God. Wow, I don't know there's anything more dramatic, any more dramatic news from heaven or any more bigger challenge to believe than this woman was faced with. And I wonder if sometimes if Jesus or God just searched through all the times and eons of history to find this one, wondering who, who it would be that would respond correctly. Even Elizabeth, your relative, is going to have a child in her old age, and she who is said to be un unable to conceive is in her sixth month, which she didn't know. But for no word from God will never, ever fail. Now, here's the key. So Mary is my hero in this next verse because this is where I want to be. And this is where I want to walk with God. So all of us want to worship a good God, right? And all of us want to receive good things from God. But sometimes, and many times, on God's side of the ledger, it requires this little thing called faith, Right? And here's faith. And I suppose maybe he looked through all the centuries and tried to find one woman that said, hey, you're going to be the mother of God, and to find this response. Well, I'm the Lord's servant, Mary answered. May your word to me be fulfilled. Then the angel left her. I met a remarkable response. Okay, fine. Then the angel goes, <laughs> done deal. Wow. That's a dramatic thing. I wonder how many centuries or how, many t how much time or how what went into finding this person who wouldn't say, oh, I'm terrified. No, I can't do that. No, he's just, fine. All right, I'll do it. Wow. And she's just an example to all of us. Because I think sometimes the more dramatic the thing, the more thing that we're worried about, the thing that we would like to see the most, God to say yes would be amazing for all of us, and we're all of us in search of that. Sometimes, though, we get so far under it, I wonder that if he really said yes, that if we would actually believe him, and that's where our battle lies. Like we pray for healing, we see in the scriptures the unfolding of this life of faith, and sometimes it's difficult. It's easy to say yes, but then hard sometimes to continue to say yes when the days and months go on, years go on sometimes. And I know that a number of you are in that place. And some of us, we say yes, and it's over with, and it's done. It's the mystery of God. Thing happens, God heals us, God delivers us, the situation suddenly opens, and that battle uh, is done. But this Mary, what a quite, quite a person. She's an example for all of us, right? She's an example for all of us. And I want to read from uh, chapter 2, verses 1 to 15. In those days, Caesar Augustus had issued a decree the census should be taken of the entire Roman world. This was the first census that took place while Quirinius was governor of Syria. And everyone went to their own town to register. So Joseph also went up from the town of Nazareth and Galilee to Judea, Judea to Bethlehem, the town of David, because he belonged to the father and line of David. He went there to register with Mary, who was pledged to be married to him and was expecting a child. You can imagine in a small town in Israel, a small town anywhere, <laughs> the scenario that we're dealing with here, right? 
While they were there, the time came for the baby to be born. That wasn't very convenient, was it? And she gave birth to her firstborn, a son. She wrapped him in clothes and placed him in a manger because there was no room available for them. So not only are they having this baby at a very inappropriate moment, but there's no place for them to go. This is God. This is God and man. This is God. Jesus was God and man. This baby's about to be born. She's carrying this character, and there's no room. Wow. And there were shepherds living out on the fields nearby, keeping watch over their flocks at night. An angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them. And they were terrified. But the angel said to them, Do not be afraid. I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all the people. Today in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is the Messiah and the Lord. This will be a sign to you. You will find a baby wrapped in clothes and lying in a manger. Suddenly a great company of the heavenly hosts appear with the angel, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace to those on whom his favor rests. Then the angels had left them and gone into heaven. The shepherds said to one, Let's go to Bethlehem and see this thing that's happened, which the Lord has told us about. So the Lord finds this crowd of shepherds. They weren't actually the best people around. They were kind of untrustworthy. Nobody really trusts them. They weren't really a highly revered profession, but there he shows up, tells them to go take a look, get a first peek, which is really, really interesting in itself, right? Turns out the name Jesus means the Lord saves. The Lord saves. She said, the Holy Spirit, the Jesus said, or the Father said, the Holy Spirit will come on you and no words from God will ever fail. And that little term right there, that sentence that we read from Luke chapter 1, 35 to 38, is really the key. God shows up and his words never fail. The Holy Spirit will come on you and no words from God will ever fail. When you get saved, when you come to know Jesus, it's not that you just like sort of signed up for a, comp, uh, uh, you know, a club or you just got, you know, some, uh, you're in an information group that kind of likes and shares the same hobby, right? No, when you receive God, the Holy Spirit comes inside of you too. So you become supernatural in a sense. A part of you becomes supernatural. Your spirit wakes up, right? And when you ask God to come in, no word ever fails, exactly what he does. He comes. And it's the basis for the everyday lifestyle of all believers. Emmanuel, God with us, God inside us. That's what we have to offer the world. Then it takes various forms and fashions what we have to offer. Sometimes just service, you know, kindness, giving, blessing the poor, every kind of that manifestation, right? And sometimes we're very intimately involved with that. I, I like to say this, and it sounds strange maybe a little bit, but we're packing. <laughs> you know what I mean by that? We're carrying weaponry, <laughs> the good kind, right? Because the Holy Spirit comes on us. The Holy Spirit comes on us. When you get saved, when you come to know Jesus, something supernatural happens on the inside. The Bible calls it being born again, or it sort of gets watered down a little bit. We're talking about born again like... What do it mean to be born and not from not being born, right? From being dead and now you're born. There's a change, a dramatic change, and it keeps on happening. And the Spirit keeps on coming, right? Keeps on coming. The Holy Spirit will come on you as a constant thing for the believer. Sometimes people just get so much, you know, Holy Spirit comes, okay, I know I'm aware of God. But oh, as we discover through the rest of the Bible text, we find out there's this thing called the baptism of the Holy Spirit, the filling of the Holy Spirit the constant attention of the Holy Spirit. And this lifestyle then produces supernatural things through us, right? So she's the model, but as the model, it's really important because how she responded to God's offer is the key to whether we can be those same kind of people, give something away supernatural, like a healing or a blessing or even Jesus and tell them about Jesus. Even just practical things. That same thing comes from the Holy Spirit. We're highly favored. God didn't want anyone to perish. But when we receive Jesus, we're highly, highly favored in the sense that we become eternal. We live forever. When we die, we know where we're going. But there's something that is important for us, and that is to believe that His Word never fails. And sometimes that can be a little challenging, especially when things aren't going so well. So we're highly favored. 
he's not slow about coming back, but applies the blood of Jesus for the forgiveness of sins to generation after generation of believers. I think sometimes we wonder, no, Lord, where are you? When are you coming back? It's been an awfully long time. But in heaven's timetable, there's no slowness. As a matter of fact, interestingly, as the world population grows, so does the extent of the gospel. I think what God's doing in history is just looking for more kids. Evidently, he likes kids because there's a ton of them coming, even in this time. And one thing he prophesied through the Old Testament scriptures, that there will be a time in history where there will be so many people that there would be the greatest harvest, there would be the greatest incoming of believers in all of history. Never to be paralleled. So history has been building to that place uh, where we're at right now. I believe we're very close to that, but anyway. But no longer, but do not forget this one thing, Second Peter 3, 8 and 9 says, with the, with the Lord a day is like a thousand years, and a thousand years are like a day. The Lord is not slow in keeping His promises. Some understand slowness. Instead, He is patient with you, not wanting to anyone to perish, but everyone to come to repentance. So that's on a large scale. He wants more and more people throughout the entire earth to come. The thing that's keeping him back is there's not enough people, not enough sons and daughters in the house, which puts us in a very unique uh, position. This gospel of kingdom will be preached in the whole world, and then the end comes. So the end comes when God's satisfied that he has harvests from every tribe, tongue, and nation, that he has what he's looking for. He doesn't want anyone to perish. He wants whole nations. The, the uh, opening in heaven is quite wide quite profound. Heaven's hungry for new believers. Now, we'd like to just sew it all up, go and leave, and leave the whole rest of the world, right? But while the world's population is at the highest it's ever been, so is the rate of people coming to Jesus. That may be a, a fact that maybe has escaped some of us. Maybe someone didn't know. We didn't realize. You're in a historical time, not only because there's more people that have existed now than ever before, but there are more people coming to Christ than ever come before in the history of the world. Not just because there's more people, either. The proportions are staggering in some places. United States of America, of America I like that. Hey, United States of America, that's what we need. <laughs> I just renamed the United States. United States of America, that's who we are. So next time you hear somebody diss in your country, say, hey, we're the United States of America. <laughs> and Lord, we could use some right about now. It would be very, very good. So the point is, the Lord's not slow in keeping his promise, as someone understands slow. Instead, he's patient with you, not wanting anyone to perish, but everyone to come to repentance. Not only you personally, but also uh, for the whole world. So this is the backdrop behind every Christmas. This is, this, is the t this is the season. This is the thing we have to understand, that Jesus not only died in a long time long ago, but there's a historical context to it, right? And this invitation for favor and miracles is on the church more than ever before. Not because we are the church that believes in miracles, not because we are the vineyard, we specialize in that sort of thing and believe in that thing more. No, it's because God has a harvest in mind, and one of the quickest ways he gets people's attention is he heals the sick, he raises the dead, he cats out demons. That's how he gets everybody's attention. So this cause that we have, even this thing, oh, we're the church that prays for the sick or whatever, this is not just like, oh, that's kind of our thing. We kind of like to do that. We're a little weird. We like to be a little weird. No. This is how people come to Christ when they get a miracle. This is how many, many people come to Christ. This is why the gospel is absolutely rampaging throughout the whole earth. Coming soon to a theater near you. But in the nations that haven't had them in the last t 10 years, it's unbelievable. You don't hear it in the news too much. Just a small group of nerds that plot this kind of thing like me. But I'm a great nerd because I have an amazing thing I'm watching like a lot of others are watching. When the time comes where whole nations are coming to Christ, when, when a place like India, which has been closed for centuries, Virtually nothing happening. And just a matter of a couple of decades, we now have 31,000 churches there. When there was nothing, that's one organization, 31,000. 
and miracles, resurrections from the dead, blind eyes, deaf ears open, the same scenario. So welcome to miracles and supernatural intervention. The announcement of Jesus was an invitation to this that gets steadier and stronger every century that goes by, but especially in our century. If our century and time is a time when people could destroy themselves, think about this, where sin abounded, God's grace abounded all the more. It's also a century, it's also a time as we move into these years where we have never seen anything like this in the spread of the gospel and the power of the gospel to distant populations and areas. And could I just underline this, and I want to say this very clearly so you understand, especially the Muslims. <laughs> it's amazing. You know those people I'm talking about coming to Christ in India? Most of them are Muslims. Wow. Coming soon to a theater near you. The Middle East is toast. <laughs> There's movements of believers that have never been seen before in all of history in Iran and Middle Eastern nations. It's sort of hidden now, a little bit subdued, but we have to understand this gospel of Jesus Christ has continued and is growing and growing and growing and leavening the earth. Welcome to miracles and supernatural intervention. Welcome to the real headlines of today. These skirmishes you see, these problems we see in the Middle East, they're the growing pains. Something's being born. A Savior is coming. And in the midst of the trial and the trouble and the suffering and man's inhumanity to man and the horrible stuff that's going on, there's Christians everywhere. There's the gospel witness going out everywhere, across every tribe, tongue, and nation. I'd love to get into that, but i got to go on with the sermon. So getting back to us. That is about us. It's one of the greatest joys of my life, to keep moving in those areas. I just think it's the coolest thing all. But look at Roman numeral 2. We can't let pain and disappointment get in the way of the miracles God wants to do for us. Personal pain and disappointment cause some to be hardened toward the only person who's truly kind and gentle toward us, the only one in the universe that really has your best interests. Uh, how would we know that? Well, we'd know it just by virtue of what Jesus did. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son for you and me, for all of us, Muslims and Buddhists and every kind of people group. But we see this invitation given to a man named Zechariah, which is fascinating to me. I always like this story so much. So I want to just read from verses uh, 11 to 20 of Luke 1. Then an angel of the Lord appeared to him standing at the right side of the altar of incense. So Zechariah is a priest and he's, he's uh, ministering to the Lord. When Zechariah saw him, he was startled and was gripped with fear. And the angel said to him, don't be afraid, Zechariah. Your prayer has been heard. Your wife Elizabeth will bear you a son and you're to call him John. Now, Zachariah is an old man now. He will be a joy and delight to you, and many will rejoice because of his birth, for he will be great in the sight of the Lord. He is never to take wine or other fermented drink, and he will be filled with the Holy Spirit even before he is born. He will bring back many of the people of Israel to the Lord their God, and he will go on before the Lord in the spirit and power of Elijah to turn the hearts of the parents to their children and the disobedient to the wisdom of the righteous to make ready a people uh, prepared for the Lord, because Jesus was about to show up, right? Zechariah asked the angel, how can I be sure of this? Oh, bad question. <laughs> bad question. So just take notes on this for whatever you need from the Lord, right? The Lord offers you something, someone prophesies something to you, and you go, nah. Well, turns out that heaven doesn't like that very much, right? Because he's making you an offer and unfortunately, you can refuse. He never takes away your free will. Sometimes, people are, well, why don't you just take away their free will? No, it'd be better for them. No, I'm not going to violate that. So you're a part of your own miracle, and you're also a part in your response for other people's miracles. So he leaves it like that. Zechariah asked the angel, how can I be sure of this? I'm an old man, and my wife is well along in years. Fair question. The angel said to him, you know, uh, I'm at Gabriel. 
And, you know, I'm just not from, you know, this neighborhood. Uh, I actually stand in the presence of God. <laughs> and actually, I've been sent from heaven to you to speak to you to tell you some good news. <laughs> right? And now you will be silent and not able to speak until the day this day comes because you did not believe my words, which will come true at their appointed time. So my word's still going to come true, but you're going to have to shut up for a while. And the thing about it was what he was supposed to do, which is the greatest privilege, and it used to really would come along only once in a lifetime for a priest, if ever at all, because the priest would take turns doing this, but there was this tradition in what he would do after he did this little service in the temple, he would go out and one of the greatest pleasures of his whole life, the pinnacle you could think of a, of a priest's career, think of the pinnacle of your career. What would be the very pinnacle of your career for whatever you do for a living? And it's about to happen. And then not. <laughs> because God makes him go dumb and he can't talk. So here's this blessing he's supposed to give, which is, you know, most people didn't even get the chance to go into the temple and do what he did. And now, because of his unbelief, he says, well, you can't do it. So he shut his mouth. <laughs> and all he could do is make signs, right? And that's all he could do until one fine day when John the Baptist shows up. Sure enough, his wife gets pregnant, and here the promise comes, right? I think it would have been easier for him just to accept the invitation and go on with it, right? But we have this way about looking at our uh, problems this way. I don't know what it is about us that doesn't come naturally by faith. Maybe it's because we come supernaturally by faith. When I find a person believing God for the impossible, believing for something, I know it's supernatural. It's the very faith of God, and they've touched something supernatural. And sometimes our faith wavers, sometimes over the years and time. But I'll tell you what, it's the fastest way to a miracle. And I want to just say this. I feel the Holy Spirit just prompting me toward any miracle. I don't care what yours is today. Sometimes you say, well, yeah, you don't know me, but like I need a miracle with a capital M. <laughs> I really need a miracle. You don't know how bad things are. Yeah, a lot of people tell me that. Everybody I talk to that has a problem, thinks their miracle is the worst thing you've ever seen on the face of the earth and nobody's ever been through it before but them, right? Especially if it's in their face enough and affecting them, right? So here's an interesting thing. Joseph stayed soft in his disappointment long enough to let God reinterpret his life. That's the other one, right? Joseph. And if you look at uh, Matthew 1, 18 to 25, this wife gets pregnant and it's not him, right? He didn't cause a pregnancy. So we read the story. This is how the birth of Jesus the Messiah came about. His mother Mary was pledged to be married to Joseph. Before they came together, she was found to be pregnant through the Holy Spirit because Joseph... Her husband was faithful to the law and yet did not want to expose her to public distress. He had in mind to divorce her quietly. But after he considered this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream and said, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary home as your wife, because what is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will give birth to a son, and you are to give him the name Jesus, because he will save his people from their sins. All this took place to fulfill what the Lord had said through the prophet. The virgin will conceive and give birth to a son, and they'll call him Emmanuel which means God with us. When Joseph woke up, he did what the angel of the Lord had commanded him, and he took Mary home as his wife. Wow. In faith. He heard this, and he took her home. But he did not consummate their marriage until she gave birth to a son, and he gave him the name Jesus. So here's an interesting thing. At the pivotal point, a pivotal point in his life, he too responded in faith. How could you explain this to anyone? All of this stuff goes unexplained in a little tiny rural community, and you know how word passes there. And especially on this magnitude of the sanctity of marriage and holiness and the law and the whole thing, and he's bearing this thing. He's taking this woman in even though she's pregnant and not by him, and word got around, right? Amazing. So what came out of that faith? Well, he became, Joseph, a man of dreams and visions, a mighty man of dreams and visions. He took a step into the supernatural, but as he took that step, that wasn't the only thing that happened because he becomes a part of this whole thing, but an active participant of the whole thing. Now he's got this thing dropped on him. My girlfriend's pregnant, and he's the son of God. <laughs> it's like, whoa, <laughs> 
<laughs> so Job becomes an unwilling, or maybe we could say more willing than we know. And maybe that's the issue. Accomplice in this thing, and the story begins to unfold, right? And so he takes her to Bethlehem. The baby's born. And he has all these visitors, wise people, you know, the king, you know, the kings that visit him with treasures and gifts of gold and frankincense and myrrh. But look what happens to Joseph. When they had gone, an angel of the Lord appeared to Joseph in a dream. So Joseph starts getting uh, supernatural leading. He's like a prophet now. He graduated from this guy that just got ambushed by this terrible news. And now he's beginning to live in the strength and the faith of God. And he does this incredible thing. He hears this word in a dream. The Lord appears to Joseph in a dream. Get up, take the child and his mother and escape to Egypt. Stay there until I tell you, for Herod is going to search for him and if the child to kill him. And so now this Joseph is a prophet. So he took, got up, took the child and his mother during the night. He did not delay. Now, you think, well, so he took a car to Egypt, you know, got a hotel. No problem. Traveling like this, especially alone, was one of the most dangerous things you could do. This was not an easy thing. Usually what people did when they traveled from place to place, they traveled in caravans or groups. But this guy hightails it in the middle of the night, right? And he leaves for Egypt with this woman on a donkey. You can imagine, they're all alone. Why did people travel in convoys like that? Because it was dangerous. There was routine murder and robbery where he stayed until the death of Herod. So he stays. He's in a place he doesn't even know. He's going to a new country with almost no money. There he is. He's doing this all by faith. Welcome to miracles and supernatural intervention. If you want miracles and supernatural vision, the higher the stakes, the greater the cause, the greater the movement, the greater the change that you're going to affect, the greater faith it will require. That's sort of a law of the kingdom. So he stays there until the death of Herod. So he watches until Herod dies. He's in this foreign country. In those days, you didn't just go to a foreign country and say, hey, guys, give me a job. No, foreigners were not treated very well wherever you went. This was a big deal, and he's totally vulnerable. No money sustained by God. And so it was fulfilled what the Lord had said through the prophet out of Egypt, I called my son. So he fulfilled prophecy, something that was said centuries earlier that would actually happen. And so here comes the child back into Israel. But the thing is that I want to get over with Joseph is this step that he took, this step of responding to the Lord, taking this woman as his wife, going all the way uh, to Bethlehem, to the town of, of his origins, and having this baby open the door for more. Open the door for more. Now he's getting dreams in the night. Now he's hearing from the Lord himself, right? This is the way it is with the Lord. When you step out in faith, when you do this, this is where miracles and intervention, one, one thing leads to another. And I found, actually, when you take steps of faith in the Lord, that the Lord requires of you. These are ordinary things of marriage and family and stuff, and that's in our area as well. When you take those steps, guess what? God wants to give you more and grow you more. And he can do something with a person of faith. He can work with them because faith moves supernatural and natural mountains. And all of us, if we want to do anything on this earth worthwhile, anything that actually has meaning on the earth, it will require faith. First of all, there's an adversary roaming around looking for anyone who has faith to chop it right out from underneath them and not let them do that. But anything that's worthwhile in the Lord and for your life will require faith because the enemy is roaming around looking for someone to devour. That's a reality. And especially if you have anything like the name of Jesus on your lips, he wants to devour you. So actually, you don't really have a choice. Responding in faith is the way out of the warfare of this world, but it's also the way into the warfare of this world. But you always win by trusting in the intervention of the Lord. So he goes. After Herod died, an angel of the Lord appeared in a dream to Joseph. Now he's getting the dreams. He's the guy who just goes, what? Now he's beginning to develop a relationship of his own. He's beginning to be a prophet. He's beginning to hear God's voice. Get up and take the child, his mother, and go to the land of Israel, for those who are trying to take the child's life are dead. So he got up, took the child, his mother, and went to the land of Israel. 
But when he heard that Archelaus was reigning in Judea in place of his father Herod, he was afraid to go there. Having been warned in a dream, he withdrew to the district of Galilee, and he went and lived in a town called Nazareth. So was fulfilled what was said through the prophets that he would be called Nazarene. So this Joseph takes the disappointment, adjusts faith, and inserts it into the thing, and finds out that he gets more, not less, from his trouble. A calling that no one could have imagined, except God. He didn't even know the repercussions of it. He just knew the immediate things were beginning to change, and God was with him, you know? But he didn't know the full repercussions, really, of what was going to happen. Matter of fact, he died before Jesus died, before Jesus resurrected from the dead, but he was a part of this. And it's so important for us, we can't let pain and disappointment get in the way of the miracles God wants us to do. His pain with his wife and the whole thing, somehow he responded, and he kept responding. How do you know a, a walk from Bethlehem down to Jerusalem is no little walk? How do you know that there's not just people waiting you for you at the Holiday Inn to give you a place to stay? All they could find was a stable. How do you know going to a foreign country uh, like Egypt uh, was routinely people were killed along the way because there was robbers, and typically people, for that reason, traveled in huge caravans, right? But Joseph, the one full of faith, went past all of that. And when he opened the door to faith, he opened the door to miracles in his own life. So when Jesus came to Israel, he came, this is on your outline, see, to a nation in pain, yet in the same time they were in pain, they were strangely hardened. They were strangely hard in their pain. And could I just say something about that? Even if you don't want me to, I'm going to. But uh, So I found something about pain and watching myself in pain and uh, watching other people in pain. Israel was a nation in pain. They were occupied country. Things weren't going very well. And uh, their religious observances and the things and the peace wasn't well. They were treated unfairly all the time. They were basically slaves to the Romans who did whatever they wanted with them, right? So when Jesus came, he came to a nation in pain. But as he began to minister amongst them, we say the real heart, they'd actually given up on God. And uh, so disciples asked Jesus one day, why do you keep speaking to the people in parables? Why don't you just tell them outright? Why do you keep talking around them? He said, you know why? Because the knowledge of the secrets of the kingdom of God has been given to you, but not to them. Now, why would that be? How many want to know the, the secrets of the kingdom of God? About 17 of you. That's good. Well, that's better than I thought. Very good. Either that or you're too tired Christmas and don't want to raise your hand. So that's probably true too. Whoever has will be given more and they will have an abundance. Whoever does not have, even what they have will be taken from them. Wow. That is why I speak to them in parables. What was it they didn't have? They didn't have any faith. He was trying to show them stuff, though seeing they do not see Though hearing, they do not hear or understand. I'm talking to them. I'm communicating to them, but I'm not getting through. So I'm going to stop talking directly to them because the more I talk directly to them, the more judgment they're heaping up on themselves, right? Because man doesn't live on bread alone, but every word that comes out of the mouth of God. And this is a rebellious people. And them has fulfilled the prophecy of Isaiah. You'll be ever hearing, but never understanding. You'll be ever seeing, but never perceiving. For this per people's heart has become callous. They hardly hear with their ears, and they have closed their eyes. Otherwise, they might see with their eyes, hear with their ears, understand with their hearts, and turn, and I would heal them. So the more you spin away from God and his stuff, the problem is you get hardened. The enemy sees to it, but also life can harden you. Because, see, there's this one side where God says, I came that they might have a life and have it abundantly. The other side of that scripture is that the thief comes only to steal, kill, and destroy. So which one do you want? Well, the one for abundance will require one thing, always has required one thing. You're going to have to step out in faith. Step out, take a chance on Jesus. You're going to have to stop, start working with, working with the people of God, 
Start reading the scriptures and understand what he likes and begin to believe for miracles in your own life. Right? And learn how to walk with God and other people. But they wouldn't do it. Because every time he offered them something, they would just turn their back on it. But blessed are your eyes, he says, because they see and your hearts because they hear. That's that faith thing again. For I truly, for I t- truly, I tell you, many prophets and righteous people longed to see what you see, but did not see it, and to hear what you hear, but did not hear it. So all through the centuries, Messiah, 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 he finally comes and nobody recognizes him except some poor people, really, ordinary folks. But they could see him, which gets us to our time. We may be ordinary, but if we have faith, we become extraordinary. And we should be an extraordinary people. This should be a place where people get healed. This should be a place where people find jobs. This should be a place where people and the poor get fed and taken care of and encouraged. This should be an oasis. This should be a place of life. And by God's grace, supernaturally, he's making us into that. That is our calling. That's why you keep hearing me say weird things. You've been hearing me say weird things since the beginning of this church. We're going to buy this. We're going to go do that now. We're going to go over that country now. We're going to do that. Why? Because we were born for miracles and signs of waters. And sometimes to get to that place, you have to walk on water. Believe me, by this time in our church's history, we've walked on a lot of water to get to the place where we're at right now. To get to the place where we're at right now. I just think of the warehouse as one example of like 15 I could think of, but it's kind of obvious right now. I just thought, Lord, there has to be a way that we can take care of people in an area like this, as nice as it looks, just on an everyday basis. Just give them food they need, give them some hope. Surely, Lord, as a church, we're about that business. And so when we started the warehouse, we were sort of forced on us because the recession caused it to empty and I didn't have a tenant. That was really, really bad. And I just kept hearing this nagging thought that I always wanted to do. Why don't you just open up part of it and feed people and see what happens? And I thought, what in the world? In Orange County, why would I ever do that? You know why I said that? Because I was blind. I didn't understand. I was too entertained by the nice streets and the parks and the ball games and the kids' things and all of it. I wasn't seeing the world like Jesus sees the world. In a place like this, in every place like this, there's tr- there's trouble, there's death, there's poverty, and you just have the eyes to see. But if you don't make space for seeing, you will never see it. Well, we made some space in the warehouse. And that thing is full day and night. But what's more important is what we're able to do out of it. And the ongoing ministry to the homeless, which actually now all of us are more aware of than we were a few years ago, and those that are in desperate need of all kinds of things. Jesus had compassion of the people of his time because he said they're like sheep without a shepherd. If there ever was a time to describe our own area here, Believe it or not, there are thousands and thousands of people like sheep without a shepherd. Between the drugs and the mental illness, the alcohol, the family structure rendered in 50 different pieces, people not even knowing who their father and mother are, not knowing where their kids are, the level of mental illness, all of it together is just overwhelming. You look on the news, they keep blaming it on liberal politics. Uh, I would say uh, that's only a tiny part of the story. It's more like a liberal devil (laughs) who's exerting his energy over time and stealing and killing and destroying because people have been too ignorant to understand they could stand up to that and cause a different result. Even the church lives like that. And we've got to change our mind. Welcome to miracles and supernatural intervention. We have to learn to live in this supernatural realm or we will die. We have to learn to do things that we're not used to doing and providing. If you had told me that we could actually house as many people as we are right now, I'd have told you you're crazy. You know why I've told you that? Well, I could see the people who didn't have a house. I just thought it's too expensive. How in the world will we ever pay for that? Well, we just did it, and the Lord's making a way, and we're paying for it just fine. Thank you.
right? And we're raising these people up. Yes, in Laguna Niguel. Well, you're not supposed to have poor people in Laguna Niguel. Hey, here's a news flash. There's poor people all over New Laguna Gal. Drug addicts and people sleeping in the streets, in the highways and the byways of this area. You won't believe it. Go take a walk around midnight. Go through the park. Go over there to the riverbed. Go anywhere in this city. You'll find people everywhere. They're here. I never believed that. I didn't even know that. Partially it's a, time, a change of the times, but more than that, they've always been here. And one of the reasons why this is happening is because of the breakup of the home. Because of the high level of divorce, which we're all aware of, has caused poverty at a staggering level and mental illness on a level we never could have imagined. We are a broken culture. For as nice as things are, we are broken. Look at downtown San Francisco. You can see that. It's all on the street. Ours is just a little bit more hidden. But it's getting worse by the day. And so God's looking for a people to use to do miracles. And that's who we are. And that's what we're called to do. Merry Christmas. <laughs> Welcome to Miracles and Supernatural Intervention. The story of Christmas, as Roman numeral 3, helps us to understand how to flow in the miracle culture of God. If we look at Mary's life, the power of a humble heart, she's our best example. You're pregnant. Really? Yeah. Supernaturally pregnant. Hmm. Okay. Be it done to me. (laughs) Whatever you say. How many women... And the whole history of the world would have said something like that. How many people would have not freaked out over something like that? He was looking for someone that would receive that news calmly and say, okay, what do you want me to do? Wonder if the Lord has visions and dreams. Wonder if we're pregnant with things we couldn't imagine. And he's saying something to you. Hey, I want you to do something you've never done before. I want you to house the homes. I want you to do this or that or something other thing we hadn't even thought of. Some other need, some other thing that pops up. If he says it, are you willing to get pregnant? If you want to say, okay, fine. Well, that's the first thing you have to do, right? And we see this. We see this with the Magi. They're hungry. They came looking for something special. They traveled all that way because they were looking for a different result. They were looking for something else. They were looking for someone supernatural, someone to save the world. And so they came and Simeon and Anna in the temple praying day and night, praying day and night, being aware that something was up. And so their response to it was prayer. Spending all their time waiting, looking for it, praying. They knew somehow the season was ripe. Could I just tell you the season's ripe right now. There is a change happening across the earth. Your greatest ally is going to learn how to be pray. Pray and intercede and be sensitive. That's why we like to spend time and and emphasize it so strongly in our church. It's a time to seek the Lord. It's a time to not only seek the Lord to change things, but to be open to new ideas and new thoughts, new ways where we make a difference. Because it's obvious that the government is not able to make a difference. It's obvious that the world's wisdom is not making a difference. It's sending us to hell in a handbasket faster than we can imagine. Instead of griping about it, worrying about it, start and tuning into the latest edition of the bad news on Fox News, which I do regularly. <laughs> I don't know why we have this sentence. We love bad news. But, but there's another one I'm listening to. How can I be the salt and light of this world? Well, that's for like bigger guys with bigger churches and bigger like things, you know. I mean, you know, like that's like, I mean, like we probably start to have to have a national movement. You are the national movement right here. And you'll have something unique to say if we just have this example of Mary. Lord, be it done to me according to your word. Could I just say something? I just believe right now their invitations are going out all over this room, all over this church, all over for all believers. They are of invitations. Hey, I would like to do something with you. I would like to do something that nobody's ever seen before. Will you do it with me? I believe that we're in a time of invitation like never before. Will you respond? Well, no, I'm too, like Mary said, okay, be it done to me. I'm a poor person. I don't know how you're going to do this, but I'm willing. Okay. I think he was looking up through the centuries for one person that would have this amazing promise offered to them and say, okay, could I just ask you, maybe challenge you, could it be that God's asking you questions personally, challenge you in certain ways? 
Will you say, okay, I'll be a part of the answer to that. I'm not just going to sit there and watch. I, I'll, I'll do that. Okay, what, what do you want me to do? It could be little or big. Typically, it starts small, but it gets bigger as it goes on. Because when God finds somebody faithful, he wants to, he puts their sails up, he begins to put the wind in their sails. And he begins to give them supernatural power to do what he's done. I assure you, some of the things that have happened to us lately have been on supernatural power. And I'm just so amazed that I'm getting more and more encouraged because I'm realizing, well, what else can we do? What are the possibilities here? Wow. Since Christmas, as you see, God has never stopped inviting strange gifts to receive miracles, right? In the Christmas story, we see the dramatic entrance of the person and work of the Holy Spirit through his people. John the Baptist was one of those, right? And Elizabeth and Zechariah and all the rest. God's invitation to miracles continues to this very day. And we can see that in Acts chapter 2, and I'll finish on this. Because actually, um, this little uh, information is still relevant today as it was when he spoke it all those years ago. It's just that the last days part may be a part more relevant to us than it was the hearer of, uh, of their time. Look what God promises. In these last days, God says, I will pour out my, uh, my spirit on all people. Your sons and daughters will prophesy. What does that mean? Will they just give prophetic words? Yes. But it means that the whole generation will be aware of their surroundings through God's point of view and God's redemptive eyes, just as he did through the people of Jesus' day. They will understand the signs of the times. They will understand. They will see. They will, you know, it's interesting to me that even in this last, last election cycles, how, how prophecy has come up from the body of Christ, right? And there's some other amazing pr- prophetic voices right now that uh, you're beginning to listen to and hear that are absolutely, absolutely astounding. One of my favorites is Jonathan Kahn. If you haven't heard that name or looked into that a little bit, you should. This person's very unusual. Very unusual. I don't normally highlight people like this, but most of you know already. He didn't just write a couple of books. He's saying something from a point of view that I have never heard of before in my life and never seen before on the level that he's operating. And he's Jewish which is amazing, a Jewish pastor, Christian. (laughs) Amazing. With a voice that's speaking out and interpreting the signs and times of our world. But that's what's going to happen, and more of our sons and daughters are going to prophesy. You know why? Here's what the prophecy means. It means that you're going to become aware of the real things that are behind what's going on. You're going to become real aware of what God wants you to do. You're going to become aware of the solution to solve these problems. You are going to become the salt of the earth, but you're going to do it by revelation. You're not going to live on bread alone, but on every word that comes out of the mouth of God. And each of you in your own worlds are going to learn how to handle problems and, and, and take care of difficult problems for our culture. It's the Christians right now should be solving the poverty in California. We have the mantle to do it. It's not a part-time job, it's a full-time job. You know why? Because it's a full-time mess. Like never before, a mess. And so we can't wring our hands and say, oh, well, the government would just do this and that. And, oh, it's always the government. No, it's the government of God. We're the ones that got to take care of that. And we can. We can do this. The resources are there. They'll be available whenever we need them. And we need to prophesy a different result for our country. Not just that it's going to hell in a handbasket. Anybody can see that we're not doing well morally or any other way like that. Who can see, though, what God really wants to do? The harvest that he wants out of all this trouble. The amazing things that he has for the church. The light that he wants to shine in the darkness. Who can see that? Your young men will see visions. Your old men will dream dreams. This is us. Even on my servants, men and women, I'll pour out my spirit in those days. And they will prophesy. I will show wonders in the heavens above and signs on the earth below. What does that mean? That means healings, miraculous everything. You can imagine. We are armed and loaded. We are the body of Christ. The sun will be turned to darkness and the moon to blood before the coming of the great glorious day of the Lord. I have no idea what that means. Doesn't sound good. Anyway, and everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Ooh. You mean there's going to be so much life, so much power, that every person that comes close to, hey, I want to know about Jesus, will, and they call out, God will save them. God will get them. And we'll get them because we'll see them because we're sensitive to them. 
It's not just that there's a bad time around, but there's an opportunity. The fields are white. They're ready for harvest. But I don't like all this darkness. Ooh, man, it's just making the fields so ripe. The world's raw right now. If you think the world's not raw, you're crazy. You know why? Because the church is raw. We're having a hard time coping with this. If we're having a hard time coping with this, with all the hope and the faith and the thing God gives, what do you think they have inside of them? What dark thoughts, what pain the world's going through right now. And by the way, I don't like it that millions of people have come across our border. I hate it. I think it's a travesty of government and unjust. It's not something that someone could decide like that. But now that they have... <laughs> What an amazing opportunity, because <laughs> they're everywhere. <laughs> what an amazing thing. Well, now that they're in church, stop bemoaning, stop complaining. Let's start getting people saved, because they are wide open. In a time when people are looking at them, you know, and speaking negatively about them and everything, and they're already poor and broken and everything, what an opportunity. There's so many people there. We didn't cause it. But they're here on our doorstep. See, the opportunity here is, comes right out of this trailer of Christmas. God will show us how to flow in the miracle culture of God. Well, that would cost a lot. Yes, but my daddy has a lot of money. A lot of money. <laughs> we have to tear away the limitations and the possibilities. God wants to just shake us. We need to operate on a whole other economic paradigm. Think differently. If we are the salt of the earth and the light of the world, it's going to cost a little money along the way. And then it will cost things that money cannot absolutely buy at all, right? But we have both. God continues His invitation of miracles to this very, very day. That very day. In the last days, God says, I will pour out my spirit on all people. Your sons and daughters will prophesy. Your young men will see visions. Your old men will dream dreams. Even on my servants, both men and women, I will pour out my spirit in those days, and they will prophesy. In other words, they will deliver my word. They will tell them about me. They'll tell them what I think about everything, about the world, about politics, about life, about their own life, about their family, about their children. I will show wonders in the heavens above and signs on the earth below. I will be supernaturally relevant. Blood and fire and billows of smoke could hold it back a little bit on that one. That would be great. <laughs> the sun will be turned to darkness and the moon to blood. Now, this is really getting cataclysmic. Before that happens, though, all that other stuff has to happen, right? Because this gospel of the kingdom will be preached in the whole world, and then the end comes. How much progress are we making in the whole world? Well, you still have like 2 or 3% of all of India needs to be is saved. I think we have a little ways to go. That's a billion people right there. See, when God sees the world, he sees it bigger than we do. There's millions, and they're just now entering into their time and their season. China, India, these major populations, and even the Muslims. Even the Muslims. Before the coming of the great and glorious day of the Lord, and everyone who calls is the key thing. Now, you saw the darkness, and you get stuck. Ooh, boom, the blood gives me the creeps. But Okay, but here's the last part. This is the one. If God was one, you to hear any part of that thing that I just said. Here's the one he wants to hear to understand where we're at right now. This is what he wants you to understand. What does it say? Verse 21. Here's what he wants you to see. Okay, I, 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 that blood, moon to blood freaks me out. You know, all that stuff. But, but here, this one. And everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. That's a lot of everyone's. That's where we're at right now. That's the season we're at in Laguna Niguel and all over the earth. And your families and your relatives, and those that don't know the Lord, and your own life. New growth, new life, new encouragement, new healing, new calling, a great season of miracles and supernatural intervention. Amen? Amen. Let's all stand. So, in response to this, what I'd like to do is do what the Lord would do. I already commissioned you, so I don't need to do any super-duper commissioning. The Word of God speaks for itself. Let the Word of the Lord soak into your heart. And whatever you become in this time, it should be a light to the world and a witness.
no matter how dark it is, and creative, I would add, an answer, right? A light, a beacon. So those strategies and ideas, I believe, are coming on a grand scale at the highest level of government to the ordinary person in a neighborhood. But today, there are some people that just have been struggling with things for a long time. Sometimes when you struggle with something for a long time, you just give up hope. But I think on this time close to Christmas, wouldn't it be something if Jesus, just because I asked, just because we asked, left behind some Christmas miracles for us? He doesn't have to do it at Christmas. He can do it any time. We always do this, so it's not like I'm just trying taking this time. But there's a number of you that just need a breakthrough. You need a miracle. As you come into this year, you just say, I need a miracle. I need something to change. I'm going to pray a general prayer over you, and then I'm going to get more specific. But if you just say, man, I really need a change. I just can't have a year this year like it was last year. If that's you, raise your hand up. So, Lord, look at all these people. Most of us, not all of us, thank God. But change. So, Lord, as we look into this new year, we may need healing our body. We may need a new job or a new way to make a living. We may need those honorary kids of ours saved that aren't. We need our marriage to be repaired. Lord, here we are with our hands up. I'm asking, Lord, for a Christmas miracle, a supernatural invasion. I pray, God, you would show us where wisdom is needed, how to apply it, and where faith is needed, how to operate in it, to see you get to the other side of our situation, to bring us to the other side. I just ask you to do that in Jesus' name. As the year turns, I pray you'd fill us with hope. I pray we would recognize when you're moving. I pray, God, we would may become more aware of you through our Bibles and through some of us are newer to the Lord. We would become more aware of what's possible in Jesus' name. I pray, Lord, for supernatural intervention in this year for my situation. Some of you would like to be married and you're not. May the Lord open the door for you to be married. Some of you would like to have a family and you don't have one. May the Lord open the door. Some of you are concerned about your children. They're not doing well. They're not walking with the Lord. Or maybe there's a mental illness in your household or in you that you haven't been able to overcome. Lord, I pray for a breakthrough. I pray you would intervene. Lord, here we are. Like Mary, we offer, Lord. We're just, be it done to me according to your will. Show us the way. Open doors that no man can close in Jesus' mighty name. Open doors that no man could close in Jesus' name. And I believe for some of you today, if you just come forward as an act of your faith, just say, Lord, I'm drawing a line now, and I need something new to happen here. And I just want to respond. I just want to just come forward and just ask God to do something new for my life. I need healing or I need something else. What I'd like you to do is I'd like you to come forward. Lord, I just think of Mary and Joseph as they got this news, what you called them to, and they said yes. Lord, I want to ask you as we come before you, and maybe you speak to us about a solution to the problem we're in. I pray at this moment, just because we're up here asking, I pray that you would release enough faith for us to follow through and to walk out of this problem just like Mary and Joseph did. Come forward a little bit more if you could. Just give room for everybody. I just think some of you are taking a step here in the front. You know, you're just hungry and you're responding to the Lord. And everything that you do and everything you say here today, whether it's up here or in your seat, take a moment and just give it to the Lord and say, Lord, I volunteer to be a part of the answer to this problem. Tell me what to do. Tell me where to go. Tell me how to seek you about this. Give me the wisdom of God. And Lord, please turn my unbelieving heart, my heart that hasn't been very warm to you, I pray you would make it on fire. You'd help me to grow. In Jesus' name. And i just like some people to circulate amongst these. We have, is there a disease on this side or something? Nobody wants to come over here. 
They're worried about the camera, maybe? Is that what you got? Ah. <laughs> That's weird. Well, you guys over here that come in this space, you're going to be especially on display before the Lord. I encourage you to fill the place over here, too. All right? So we're just going to pray amongst you a little bit. And uh, Lord, uh, I want you just to dial up in your mind, what is it that you like to move? What mountain needs to move in your life? And say, Lord, I'm volunteer to be a part of the solution to this. Just show me how to exercise my faith in Jesus' name. And uh, so as you're doing business before the Lord, think of yourself as offering yourself to the Lord. Lord, I'm open. Just help me. Help me in Jesus' name. And I would like to especially address uh, any of you that have had a sickness in your body for a number of years, maybe even it's been a long time, and you've about given up hope that you could get healed. If, if that's something that you've been a, been a while, it's been one of those conditions where you've almost stopped praying for it. Could I just make you ask you to be bold enough to come over on this side of the auditorium? And if you're in that place where you've almost lost faith, you just it's been so long, and you just need to be healed. I'd like you to come way over here. And I want to ask God to do a miracle today, a Christmas miracle. It's been so long. And you just almost give it. And for you to come up here is almost like every bit of faith that you can exercise. Move it to your left for a minute. Just keep going. Lord, for these that are looking for a Christmas miracle today, they are desperate for an international, for a, an intervention. Lord, I want to ask you that the Spirit of God be on you. May the Lord help you to be like Mary and Joseph, to find your destiny on this journey again. May the Lord provide for you along the way. May the Lord open doors that no man could close. In Jesus' name. Over your health specifically. And Lord, I pray for this new year that there be amazing vision that be reproduced of us, reproduced in us even as we're standing here. I pray, Lord, that you would actually put an idea in our mind, a thought in our mind, a thing about our life, what we're supposed to do, how we're supposed to make a living, something different, something new, a creative solution to difficult problems. I pray you talk to us from this night, this time forward. In Jesus' name. There'll be people that'll circulate around you. They may pray for you, walk up to you and pray for you, so you just let them pray for you, okay?